0: well, today we're going to do something. uh, I planned on continuing my sermon on intercession, but when I was blow drying my hair, uh, I think Jesus watches me and he says, I like that boy right there. You know, in the movies, how the the, the wind is coming, you know, and, and, and they're just like this. Well, that's how it was. I was just blow drying it and the wind was coming and I felt the touch of angels wings all around me. No, that's all a lie. But while I was that, but I was blowing dry my hair and I heard God speak He'll speak to you at the weirdest times. And he said, you're not teaching on intercession this morning. And I said, but Lord, I have the sermon ready. And he said, I don't care. You pick that up another time. He said, I want you to do something you've never done before. And I said, OK. So I had about 15 minutes to make a sermon. Uh, so it's certainly not polished. But but I know that that's what he once. And he could have said that to me last night and given me a lot of hours to prepare it, but he didn't. So obviously he wants me just to talk more from my heart this morning, although I do have some short notes. But what I want to share with you about, I'm going to call it call to the ministry. Because we're doing an, a licensing and ordination today for for five individuals. But, uh, and normally I just take about 20, 30 minutes and I share scriptures and then I and I minister to them and then we do the sermon but I'm inverting that this time I want to talk about call to the ministry I want to talk about some things about the ministry you say but I'm not called so I don't have to listen everybody should listen because uh, there is if you're not called somebody in your life is called to the ministry when I say in your life if nobody else your pastor is called to the ministry you should know some things about it and so for the five people that are called to the ministry, if I don't see notebooks out, where's your notebook? If I don't see notebooks out and pens in your hand, you won't be ordained this morning, all right? Because uh, you have to have a posture of intensity and joy. Taylor, where's your note? There he's got his notebook. Uh, I, I want to see the right posture, amen, which is uh, interested and receiving because I'm talking to the congregation about, about five-fold ministry. Uh, and instead of doing a, a fast-paced 30 minute uh, ordination and then a fast paced 30 minute sermon. I just felt the Lord say combine them. I've never done this before, but he just said combine them. I want you to combine them and uh, and when you combine them there will be a better flow. So that's what we're going to do today and I want to talk a little bit about this. And so first of all, turn with me to Romans chapter 10. Now there are going to be quite a few verses this morning, so don't get tired and if you get tired just listen. Okay? If you can run on that treadmill for 25 minutes, you can certainly turn in your Bible a few extra times. Um, some of you haven't been running, I've noticed. Uh, <clears throat> but anyway, let's move right along so we don't, we don't get condemned. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you're running in Hebron, brother, but is it on the treadmill? Uh, I know you're running in Hebron, but I want to know if it's on the treadmill. I'm running on the treadmill in Hebron. That's our new mug, praise God. Uh, Okay, I just want to I just want to talk about a few thoughts about the ministry today because I believe it'll help I believe it'll help everybody not just those that are called But the majority of us are not called and so I believe it will help you to understand how this works Because a lot of people unfortunately don't number one. Why does God call people to the ministry? Romans chapter 10 verse 14 how then Let's look at verse 13 for whoever whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved How then shall they call on him and who they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? This is why God calls people to the ministry. And how shall they preach except they be sent? Now, that's not just talking about you preaching and witnessing. This is talking about a five-fold call. Although everybody should preach from a, a layman perspective of telling people about God. Everybody should. Everybody. Because the Bible says in Second Corinthians that to every one of us has been given the ministry of reconciliation. It's a ministry of witnessing to reconcile man to God. Sin blocked them. They're lost. If they die, if their heart stops beating in that condition, they go to hell. But because we have a ministry to reconcile them back to God by telling them that Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. So every person, according to 2 Corinthians 5, has the ministry of reconciliation. That is the witnessing ministry. But there are some, not all, that have been called as preachers. And this says, how shall they hear without a preacher? Verse 15, and how shall they preach except they be sent? And it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. The Dufresne feet will always be very precious to me because they brought something to me. The Sumrall feet and the Hagen feet. And the Wigglesworth feet and the Lake feet and the Simple McPherson feet will always be precious to me because they put something in me. But uh, the Dufresne feet the most, there's always going to be a, a primary. You, you may have more than one, but there's always a primary. Amen. And those feet brought something to us. When If somebody brings something to you, that, those feet should be precious to you. They should be beautiful to you. That, the, and that, that's the way God authored it. That doesn't mean you put people on a pedestal and worship them. It means you, you recognize that God used somebody. Yeah, Praise God. Amen. Somebody gives you a gift. You recognize that that person blessed you and you yes. thank them. Yes. Well, when God gives you a person as a gift, because yeah. yes. Ephesians 4 calls us gifts, if you're in the fivefold ministry, recognize them a- and appropriately. Okay. So why does God call people? Because people have to hear. And everybody, by the ministry of reconciliation, has a certain anointing on them that comes upon them. We have an anointing in us all the time by the Holy Ghost, but then we have an anointing upon us to minister for service. Everybody has that. But ministers that are in a fivefold capacity, they have a stronger and more abiding sense of that anointing on them because their vocation is to preach, not just, not just to do other things. Do you understand? And so they're going to have a lot more opportunity and a lot more responsibility. And James says, don't wish that you were in the fivefold. Don't long to do that because the one that is is going to have a much harsher, a much harsher reckoning. Uh, there's going to be a, a what's the word I'm looking for, Jenny, a judgment. I uh, know, but that word sounds bad, although it does say greater judgment. I'm trying to make it nicer. Uh, there's responsibility. the responsibility and there's going to be a reckoning when we get yeah, to heaven. Yeah. And if you're called and you haven't done it, you're going to be in big whopping trouble with Jesus. Yeah. And so he said, don't, lo- don't long to be in the ministry because believe me, you don't want that responsibility unless God graces you with that responsibility because you can't do it without that grace. Yes, now, I'm going to give some pointers. How does somebody know they're called to the ministry? Pay attention because some of you may have asked yourself that. Yeah. This is not an exhaustive list, but there's some thoughts. Remember, I only had 15 minutes, so give me a break. <laughs> they have an inexplicable desire to be a church. Now, this is not, there's counterfeits to all of this, or there is other sides of the coin, I should say, maybe better than the word counterfeit to all of this. Uh, Just because you are love Jesus and you want to be faithful, that's not what I'm talking about. Because we all have a desire to be in church. And not all of these things I'm going to say to you apply to every person. This doesn't apply to everybody. It applies to some of these points apply to some and others don't apply to some. For this point, this applied to me. I had an inexplicable desire when I was small to be in church and I could not understand it. But I had to be there. I had to be there, especially as I got older and I could make more of my own decisions in early teenage years, I would take the bus to go and clean the church without being paid, without anybody else in the building. I don't know why, I just had to be in that building and I couldn't, it was like a magnet drawing metal to it. Not everybody experiences that, that's called, that was my experience, but that is an indicator. It's not just that you love Jesus and you want to be faithful. We all feel that way. But there's something stronger about the local church. Number two, there's an inexplicable, inexplicable desire to preach and or teach. I wanted to work with animals. I didn't want to work with people. Animals don't talk back, although they can kill you. Especially the animals in Africa. But I would rather a mute murderer than a talking person. But God said, you're, in, you're inverted, your inv- desires are inverted. And, and I said, but I don't want, I don't necessarily like people that much. And, and I'm kind of a loner to begin with. And he said, but I will put a desire in you. I will put a love in you. See, that's the grace. Yeah. I will put a desire in you to help the people and to love the people. And he really did. And he, because I had a very strong pulling the other way, stronger than the average human being. But he, so he had to invert, if my desires were inverted and I say, I want my desires to be your desires. And he has to put his desire in my heart and he will do that supernaturally. He'll actually change what you want. That's not violating your will. If you're yielding your will, it's not violating it. But I had to say, okay, Lord, I'll let you do it. But, uh, and then a desire came in me. Now, I always was preaching, whether you realize it or not. You can ask my mother. When I was two years old and three years old, really two years old is what she tells me. We would have uh, Christmas dinners with all the family. There'd be 30, 40 people there. And I would stand up on my chair and people would stop and say, "Uh, Craig has something to say. And and, and the whole family got so used to it. I would stand up and I couldn't speak. I would talk in baby talk. But I would pull my, my dummy out, my soother out, and I'd go, and I'd sit back down. You can ask my mother. And everybody would stop eating and look, and look at me and let, let me do my baby talk preaching. I don't know why, but that was in me from the time I was two years old. When my red record player broke and my very uh, skillful stepfather who could fix anything, he could fix any car, he could fix any machine, he was one of those genius with, with me- mechanics and everything. And he worked on it for hours and he said, it is broken. And I laid my hands on it at six years old. And I said, in the name of Jesus, I commend you to be healed. Oh, wow. And he turned it back on and it worked perfectly like it had just come out of the box. Come on. And he said to my mother, he must be, he must be a priest. Because he must be a preacher or something. There's something on him because I've never seen a miracle like that. So, from But that doesn't mean that every person has those experiences where there's an explicable desire to preach from childhood. But if you are called, there is a desire that comes in you to preach. Now, the, now the, the other side of this is this is not the desire to witness. It's different to the desire to witness. This is not because you do presentations at work with PowerPoint. And because you're good at PowerPoint, now you feel you're called to the ministry. Liking to teach. Maybe you're a teacher in the school system. Just because you can stand up and teach or you can do a presentation at work. Does not mean that you're called to preach the gospel, so you gotta divide that properly. But where there is, so you know what I'm saying? It's not just a desire to teach or, 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 or because you wanna witness. Everybody should have a desire to preach and teach from a witnessing perspective. But to preach for the ministry, there's something different, it's of another level. And there's an inexplicable desire in you, a fire that you have to get out. And it's not about PowerPoint or anything else. And if you have to go on the street, you'll go on the street. If you have to go door to door, you'll go door to door. But you've got to preach. I question ministers that don't have that. I question it. Because there is, there's got to be something in you that's boiling. Number three, there's an inexplicable desire and dissatisfaction for your current career path. If you're truly called, you won't love with all your heart whatever it is that you're doing. Whether you're a truck driver or a stir, you know, stocking shelves at Walmart, it doesn't matter how high or low you are or what your pay is or how much your education is, there will be a divine dissatisfaction with all of that. Even with a PhD or whatever you have, there will be a dissatisfaction. And like Paul, you'll say, it feels like dung to me. I remember paul was highly educated but he called it dung rubbish because there was no there was nothing in it now that now that listen having high education is not dung from the perspective it's something that is to be prized because it will help you in your career but compared to the ministry i'm comparing it to the ministry i'm not talking about it in a vacuum Compared to the ministry, it is, it is nothing. It is useless to you. And you are keenly aware of the great dissatisfaction, no matter how much money you make or what your position is. Why? Because you're called to preach. Yeah, that's right. These, are These are indicators. Are you with me? There is number four. If you're called to be a missionary specifically, there's an inexplicable desire for the overseas and for other countries and for other cultures, not just because you like different kinds of food. <laughs> not just because you like to travel. Some people are adventurous. They love to travel. They'll go backpacking in the middle of Nepal. That doesn't mean you're called to preach. You have to be able to divide this inexplicable desire for other nations. And it's not a traveling desire. And it's not a, a food cultural. Oh, I love different cultures. All of us. Well, not all of us. Some of us have different cultures. Some of us have different foods, but that doesn't mean you're called to preach. These are indicators that it could mean. Are you with me? Number five, there is when a prophecy from someone divinely connected to you about the fivefold ministry, and if not divinely connected to you, if if you don't know them, eventually has to be confirmed by somebody who is divinely connected to you. Now listen, prophecy does not lead us. People have said to me for years, I had a prophecy when I was seven that I was called to the ministry. That prophecy does not lead you. That prophecy only confirms. But at seven, you don't know enough. You haven't developed spiritually enough to even know what a confirmation is. So you don't throw it out. You put it on the shelf. That's right. You write it in your journal and you wait. You date it. And if later there is, there is something inside you about the ministry, let that prophecy serve as a confirmation. But don't go into the ministry because somebody tells you through a prophecy. Whether it's the person divinely connected to you or not. You have to know it on the inside. The prophecy can only confirm. It does not lead. Praise God. Hallelujah. Some people will say, I'm just talking from experience here. uh, I don't have a confirmation. I don't have a confirmation. But uh, if they'll listen to their spirit instead of their insecurity. Because they don't feel they're worthy to go in the ministry. Or they don't feel they can speak. But they don't feel they can, because remember, I stuttered. I couldn't put a sentence together. Obviously, I would feel. Come on, come on. <laughs> the pastor and, and the part outreach asked me to come up and pray over uh, the the meeting before it started, and I went up there. I mean, I was sweating. I'm, I, I I was I felt like I was about to have the runs, if you know what I mean. I felt like I was going to vomit, and I would go up there. And I went up and I took the mic, and I and I, I I'm not making fun because it's a very real torment. And I said, good day, everybody. And I'm just red. And I'm so embarrassed. And I can hear some people laughing and some people looking at me. Today, we're going to have. That's how I talked in public. I could not speak. But when I got under the anointing to preach. But if that anointing didn't come on me, I could not speak in public. And, And just saying a little prayer, the anointing didn't come on me that's just a little fluffy thing and so you understand my insecurity many times felt I can't do this Lord I'm not worthy of this you need somebody that 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 is an orator you don't need me so what I'm saying is some people God can call them there is a confirmation but because they're in their mind and they're looking at either their own insecurities or their own ambitions I want to be this I want to make this much money I don't want to be that ministry so therefore it's not a confirmation well if you look to your spirit it might be a confirmation but because you're in your soul and your mental faculty and arena all you're seeing is what you want or what you don't want you don't want it because you like your job or you don't want it because you feel insecure. Or there's ambition. Or there's pride. Or there's a whole bunch of different things in the soul realm that will rob you of the confirmation. So what I'm saying is, if there's a prophecy, there has to be a confirmation. But when you're talking about confirmation, make sure you're spiritually looking to your spirit. Because if you look to your soul, you may never find that confirmation. In fact, many people have talked themselves out of the ministry because they don't know spiritual confirmation. And they will stand before Jesus and give an account. Because souls will go to hell because of their disobedience. It's serious. We're talking about the eternities of people. This is serious. I don't want to put pressure on people. But Deanne, if God's called you to go, which I believe he has, and if you say no, there will be people in that nation that probably would never have heard if it wasn't for your voice. And if they go to hell, the blood will be on your hands to stand before Jesus and give an account for their eternity because you said no to the call it's that serious. Pray, That's why having a spiritual confirmation is very important in your own heart. Are you still with me? Number six, uh, So that's if there's a, a prophecy by somebody else other than those who are divinely connected to you, then it eventually has to be from somebody divinely connected, but it cannot lead. It can only confirm, but make sure with the confirmation, you follow your spirit. That's all that number five point. Now, uh, number six, in in specificity now, it's kind of part of what I said in five, but it's it's a different category because there has to be not just a prophecy, but there has to be a confirmation over you, according to Acts chapter 13, from those over you in the Lord. Now, somebody over you in the Lord is not a conference speaker that you have never met. Right. 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 Because I know lots of people that they called them up on the stage and gave them a certificate and called them a prophetess and they're no more a prophetess than I'm a hamburger. uh, It's not about just somebody ordained saying something over you. There has to be a divine relationship. If you look in the Bible, every person called had a divine relationship. Elisha had a divine relationship. Timothy had a divine relationship. Many others under Paul had a divine relationship with Paul. If you look in the Bible, there was always a connection. Paul himself had a divine relationship for those prophets that were gathered together to pray and fast. In Acts chapter 13, they knew him. They knew knew of him. They knew his lifestyle. They knew his character. They knew his calling. And as they were praying, the Holy Ghost spoke through the offices over Paul and Barnabas and said, separate unto me these for the work of the ministry, whereunto I've called them. And then it says the Holy Ghost sent them out, not the, not the council of prophets. God, God confirmed it through prophets that they had relationship with and then God sent them out. So you see, we, there's got to be there's got to be some kind of a confirmation from the divine connection in your life. And, and, and if there's not a divine connection, but you are able to have one, but your flesh doesn't want to submit to the local church, that's a problem. If you're in the middle of the jungle somewhere and there is no divine connection, and that does happen from time to time, there is no church, there is no pastor. And that happens a lot in the third world, a lot of places where there's not organized churches, uh, where God will bypass that step for those people because He knows they can't submit to anybody and He'll just call them directly and put them in the ministry. But in a situ- society like ours where you can submit, you can be divinely connected, even Paul, 2,000 years ago, he was in an environment where he could submit and he could be divinely connected, and God expected that and he operated through that system. Do you understand? So don't just say, I'm the exception. No, unless you live in the jungles and you don't know any pastors, you're not the exception. Do you understand? Hallelujah. And even those people will eventually, if they follow the spirit, divinely be connected. But they just may not have that in order to step into the ministry. They may already be in the ministry. Do you understand? And, And really, this is not an exhaustive list. I'm just giving some thoughts. And number seven would be, and the most important, would be the bearing of witness in the individual's heart. That's what I meant. The, the confirmation, the witness can be in your soul. It's got to be in your spirit. It's got to be in your heart. You've got to know the difference. And you've got to have a word from God because Hebrews 12 says the word separates soul and spirit. What word? The scriptures and a rhema word, particularly and specifically in your life. But in most times are you listening when you're talking about something as big as the call God will not just speak to you that he will speak to you specifically and particularly and individually and personally as a rhema word But he will speak scripture to you in that rhema word Because the scripture is the surest word of prophecy. He didn't just tell me craig you're called He gave me multiple scriptures to prove to me that I was called But I didn't just, are you understanding the difference? I didn't just open the Bible and read it and go, oh, I guess I'm called because I read a scripture like this. No, that's the general word for everybody. But God had to come to me specifically and then use that scripture to show me individually that I'm called. There's a difference between using the general word and the rhema word and using it skillfully. But you've got to have a word of God. A word quote unquote a rhema word through scripture in most cases you've got to have a confirmation or a bearing of witness in your spirit what does that mean? you know that you know that you know that you know and you're fighting it but you can't fight it you're running but you can't run far enough you know you're trying to get away from it by getting promoted and this and that you know but you, you keep coming back I know that I'm called to the ministry but I don't want it but I know. When that person, that's the, that's God dealing with you individually. Now you mix that with the filter and the protection of somebody over you, confirming that, not because you go up to them and say, which you can, nothing wrong with going up and saying, uh, pastor, for example, uh, brother Denzo, he he did that. God didn't show it to me, but he came up to me and said, I believe I'm called. I'm so used to hearing that. My instant reaction is, no, you're not. Because so many people think they are and they're not. But I always pray, and I said, well, I'll pray about it, and I did, and God spoke to me, and he said he is. But he came and initiated, and then God confirmed it. I have to know if I'm the divine authority, but you have to know because it's your call, and I can't do your call. You've got to do your call, so you better know, but somebody over you also has to know. And sometimes God shows it to me before there's some folks that have got offended and left over the years But some of them God showed it to me before they knew but they never said anything But God showed it to me and I told them I said I believe you're called and they said we've been waiting for you to tell me I've been waiting because I've been waiting for 10 years I know I'm called but I didn't want to say anything and push my way and so I waited for it to come from you So thank you for confirming that passy they knew but it had to also come from somebody over them This is the divine order of God So many denominations get the divine order wrong. They see something in a young person or in an older person, a passion, and that they, oh, you're called. Passion does not mean you're called. They see an ability to speak. Oh, you're called. Oration is not the call. They see a desire to preach or even the ability to minister to the sick. That is not, that means the gifts of the spirit may be operating through you, but that doesn't mean you're called. Anybody can have the gifts of healings. But that doesn't mean that that person is a five-fold vocational, full-time paid minister. Do you understand? So it is important, again, number one, that they have a desire for church, a desire to teach or preach, a dissatisfaction with current uh, career path, and a desire for overseas if they're going to travel. And all these have counterfeits and other sides of the coin, as I've said. A prophecy from someone, and if it's somebody else, then you know the different rules. Uh, A confirmation from somebody over them. And you know the different rules. And then most importantly, a bearing of witness. And knowing, a rhema word in that person's heart that they cannot escape. Yes, amen. No matter how hard they try and how long they go, they cannot escape. Amen. Amen. The calls are different for different people. Sure. God called me from the time I was a small child. That doesn't mean that God didn't call Pastor Gary from the time he was a small child. That's right. But I stepped into that young because that was God's plan for me. But God's plan for Pastor Gary was to work 30-something years and then step into it. That doesn't mean his is less than mine or greater than mine. His is different to mine. But there was still a call. Some people, God has them mature over a whole career, and then he'll put them in the ministry. Most times, he will put them in the ministry early most times because he has to develop them it's going to take many years to develop them to the point where they are now qualified to handle certain anointings and if, and if they start later sometimes that doesn't always happen but if they start young that does but you could also be passing tests while you're young like pastor gary and then have a very quick clip of increase and acceleration when you're older so everybody don't people shouldn't compare because nobody, it's like, it's like, a, it's like a, a, a fingerprint in a snowflake. No call is exactly the same. What, what, you, what you just need to know is that you are. Are you still with me? Amen. We refer to, I'm almost done, but we refer to the call a lot. But is the call enough? Is being called enough to succeed? I would say a resounding no. Now Matthew, turn to Matthew 22, 14. Matthew 22, 14. Matthew chapter 22 and verse 14. Let's look at verse 10. And to those servants went out of the highways and gathered together all that are found, both bad and good. And the wedding was furnished with guests. Verse 11, Matthew twenty-two eleven. And when the king came in to see the guests, he saw there a man which had not a wedding on a wedding garment. And he says, friend, how comest thou in thither, having, not having a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then said the king to the servants bind him and hand and foot and take him away and cast him into outer darkness Where there shall be weeping and gnashing teeth for many are called and few are chosen Now this is talking about that. He this if you read it earlier, this is the parable of the of the of the supper the the feast And he's calling all these people Now if you look at this properly, he's talking about the jews and gentiles the jews rejected the invitation Then he says go out and get the halt and lime and blame line halt blind and lame which speaks of the Gentiles, and bring them in, for my house will be full. But then the king notices the guest, no, the, the 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 guy who's the, the 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 big cheese here. He notices you don't have the wedding garment, meaning you don't have a garment of salvation, meaning you're in my house, but you're not born again. Take him out and put him in outer darkness, where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. In other words, you can't sneak in to the kingdom of God because you got some clothes on, because you got some status, you've got to come with the garment of salvation. So what does this tell us? I'm saying this for a reason. This parable of the feast is about salvation. It's not about the fivefold ministry. People claim this scripture, many are called, few are chosen, as a ministry scripture, but technically it's not. This is a salvation scripture. Many, every person on the planet has been called to be a born-again believer, has been invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. But few, relatively speaking, are chosen. Why? Because they choose God and God chooses them. This is a salvation scripture. But even though it's a salvation scripture, it is accurate and still even though it's not the exact original context It is not error. It is not error to also claim this or look at this as a ministerial scripture Because god does call many people To the ministry fivefold ministry, but not every person steps into the fivefold ministry I know lots of people that are called to the ministry. In fact, jenny's uncle is called to the ministry But that doesn't mean that they're going to step into it So there's many people that are called to fivefold, but few people actually choose that calling and as a result, step toward it. And then God anoints them and chooses them and and starts to work through them. So we can use it as a ministerial, but it's not, it's not originally intended for that. It's intended for salvation purposes. Do you understand? I like to explain that because people say these things, for example, you're apt to teach. People claim that as though, well, because somebody can teach, let them come up and teach a Bible school class, but they're misquoting the scripture. Yeah. Apt to teach is talking about a five-fold office if you study it. Yeah. It's not talking about somebody in the congregation, but it's okay to say this person can teach. Right. Yeah. They're apt to teach, so they don't have to be fivefold. Let them come in and teach, teach a class. There's nothing wrong with using that scripture for the layman, but it was written to the fivefold bishop. So we got to get it straight when we quote things that we don't quote them wrongly. And if we do, we're going to explain it. Otherwise, we're not. You see how dangerous that is? Because you start getting in the habit of quoting things out of context. Then before you know it, you're quoting other things out of context. And then before you know what your doctrine starts to get off. Yeah. Stay with the context of scripture. And if you use it outside the context, which sometimes is permittable, then explain that. That's what i'm doing here the context of scripture is for salvation many are called few are chosen but we can use it ministerially because many people are called to the ministry but not everybody steps into that ministry and, and, and it's sad that not everybody does but the facts are not everybody does praise god so number the next point is well how do you step into the ministry if you're called We've talked about if you're called by some of these nuggets, some of these checkpoints, some of these uh, things that you pay attention to, these seven things I gave you. But if you do, how, how do you? I know this is basic, but I think it, it needs to be said And the ministers or ministers in training should, should listen with two extra ears. If you have extra ears, you have ears up here, but you have paddles on the side of your head, but you also have ears in your heart. So you should be listening with two sets of extra ears this morning All of you should be but especially the ones that are ministers the way that we step into things that god has asked us to do Is number one faithfulness Faithfulness is the key It opens the box of promotion All the way through the bible. You will see this this basic trend faithfulness 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 There's many scriptures. I could give but I won't but there's many on faithfulness The faithful man abounds in blessing You know, faithfulness will take you up to the next level. Proverbs says, there's so many scriptures on faithfulness. Faithfulness, not just to what? Faithfulness to your treadmill? Faithfulness to the house of God. Hebrews 10, 25, I quoted this morning. Uh, Don't make it your habit of not being here, especially if you're called to the ministry. There should be a faithfulness to be here. Some ministers, are you listening? Will say, because I know I'm called and the divine connection knows I'm called, I can just slack off no see you're called but you're not going to be chosen to be chosen there has to be faithfulness faithfulness in the local church now what about faithfulness uh, to do what god's asked you to do in preparation some people god calls them to go to bible school others he doesn't some people god calls them to go to seminary others he doesn't but there has to be a faithfulness for the preparation season whether that's school whether that is studying just studying on your own There is always God is God is a God of divine order and he's not lazy God is not a workaholic, but he's not lazy. There's a difference between being a workaholic That's the ditch on one side and lazy is the ditch on the other side There is a middle road where there is an intensity, but it doesn't burn you out and you've got it in the right You've got it in the right you're thinking right about it Are you with me? So there is a faithfulness to what God has asked people to do in the preparation season and, and a lot of people uh, bypass this yep. because they think, well, I know I'm called and the person above me knows I'm called. So therefore, I don't have to do much. Right. Those people will never step into the ministry. They may be called, but they're not going to be chosen. Doors will not open for them unless faithfulness is exerted in their life. And I don't have the reference here, but it says in the word that I believe it's in 2 Corinthians somewhere, uh, chapter 2 or something, I can't exactly remember, but it says it it is incumbent upon stewards that they be found faithful. If we are a steward, especially of the ministry of the fivefold, Everybody's a minister, a steward in general of the, of the things of God. But a ministry of the fivefold, a minister, it is incumbent upon them. It is required, another translation says, for them to be faithful. Faithfulness is required. Yeah. Praise God. Uh, also, uh, Matthew 25, 23, you're already in chapter 22. So just go over three chapters. Uh, Matthew 25, 23. <clears throat> and the Bible says here, let's have a look up here at verse 20. Uh, verse 21. And the Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter to the joy of the Lord. So you want to get into the ministry, be faithful in little. You can't be faithful to show up as an usher. Why should God trust you with the pulpit? You can't be faithful to witness to the person the Holy Ghost prompts you to witness to. Why should you preach? Faithful in few to be ruler over much. That applies to everybody, but especially in the context I'm talking this morning of ministry. He also that had received two talents, verse 22, came and said, Lord, thou deliverest unto me two talents. Behold, I gained another two talents beside them. And his Lord said, well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I'll make thee rule over many things. Then he which had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew that you were a hard man. Notice that. Did you notice that? Uh, The person with the wrong attitude thinks God's hard the person with the wrong attitude, the person who's lazy and afraid yes. thinks God's a hard man, yes. thinks church is hard. If you think following God is burdensome and hard, it means you've got an attitude problem. Yes. Because the Bible said his ways are light they are. and easy. They are easy. It's not a heavy yoke. You will think it's hard if you don't think right. True. If you think lazy, if you think fearful, yes, if you don't want to Stretch your faith stretch yourself. This guy didn't want to stretch He was afraid of losing the money the talent he had and he and he he didn't want to educate himself to know how not to lose it And so what did he do the wrong attitude accuses god and his church of being hard and burdensome and mean It's got nothing to do with that if you think right You with me You're a hard man, where am I? reaping where you've not sown and gathering where you've not sowed strawed and i was afraid see afraid and i went and hid thy talent in the earth lo there thou hast it is thine and the lord answered and said thou wicked and slothful what does slothful mean lazy do you see that he was afraid and he was lazy don't be afraid and don't be lazy be led by the spirit and have the spirit of faith Praise God. We are hard worker, but in the right way, not in a workaholic way. He said, well, "Thou wicked and slothful servant, thou knewest that I reap where I sowed not and gathered where I have not strawed. Thou oughtest therefore to have put my money to the changers and in my coming I would have received interest. Do you see that? Therefore, take the talent from him and give it unto him which has ten talents. Praise God. Now, I want you just, that, that was the story there, but I want you to look back here. Pat Taylor, I, it's, I thought it was here. Remember, I only had 15 minutes, so give me a break. But there's another scripture. It's somewhere in here, but I can't find it. He doesn't just say, be faithful in little, and I'll make you rule over much. He says, if you're faithful with another man's, you'll have your own. Yeah. See if you can find that one for me, because I thought it was in Matthew 25, but it might be in a different scripture. So uh, basically, what are we saying here? We're saying, how do you step into the ministry? Be faithful in little things, and don't consider them as a waste of time. Yes. Number two, be faithful in another man's ministry. Be faithful in somebody else's work, not just your own work, because you can't get your own work. This is God's system. You can't get your own if you're not faithful with somebody else's. Do you understand that? So you you have to understand that being divinely connected to somebody in accountability and submission. Do you have it? Luke sixteen twelve. I wasn't even in the right book. Well, this one said little, faithful and few. Luke sixteen twelve says faithful in another person's. So praise God. Listen, you could be faithful in a little thing in somebody else's, or you could be faithful in a large thing in somebody else's, but you still have to be faithful in somebody else's, and you have to not let the little things bother you. I'm better than that. Don't you know I'm anointed? Don't you know God called me? Don't you know I had an experience with God and His presence showed up? I have an experience with God too and His presence showed up. But I still vacuumed the chairs for Peter Youngren. I still attended Bible school. I still worked like a dog for other preachers I didn't even always agree with what they were saying. I still today, even with where I'm at, submit and serve another man, because unless I'm faithful to another man, God won't keep giving me my own. That never goes away. Humility never goes away. The mark of a true minister is humility. How else do you step into the ministry? Timing. It's not just that you're called. When is the time? Well, how is the timing work? Well, when you've been faithful enough in little and when you've been faithful enough in another person's at the right time, God will say, here's more and here's your own. Yes. Are you with me? Yes. Timing is key. A lot of people are called and they're trying to step into it, but they try to step in the wrong time. It will fail. <laughs> we knew there was a church planning thing in us, but I got ahead of God. I went in the flesh. It's like getting a wave, you know, and when your body's surfing and you go over the crest of that wave, you fall over the top of it and it hits you. Then you don't have acceleration. What you have is you go down. You have a crash. Yeah. But see, we thought, got ahead of God with Alberta because of the need of the people instead of the leading of the spirit. So then uh, what did I say? Winnipeg, Winnipeg, Manitoba, Winnipeg. Winnipeg, Manitoba, I believe is the way we say it. I got ahead of God. I, 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 the timing was wrong. I was picking something up, Pastor Happy, that we have to plant churches. But instead of praying it out and getting in the right timing, I did it in the wrong timing and it utterly failed. And I wasted time and money and it's embarrassing. So you may know something in your spirit about the call and the ministry, but don't get out of the timing. God has, and he'll often put things in people's hearts years ahead because he's letting you be faithful in another man and faithful in little. Luke 16 and Matthew 25, he needs you to have these things set. And it takes time and years. So don't just think because you had a divine experience that that bypasses the timing. Nothing bypasses the timing if you're going to be successful. Nothing. Are you with me? And lastly, and this is so important, John 12, 24. And And then we'll move on to the next part of our service, which is ordaining these ministers. John chapter 12 and verse 24. And I really want everybody, but especially the ministers, to really listen to me because this is... This is an absolute key to why things don't work in people's lives. This is such an important key. And it is overlooked. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall in the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. Now, what is the context of this? Jesus is talking about himself. I am the corn of wheat. If I don't go to the cross and die and go down to hell and pay your price, I'm going to, I'm just going to go to heaven and be alone. But if I die, I'm going to bring many sons into glory. Amen. If I'm the first born again one, there's many sons that will become born again. In fact, we're called the church of the firstborn. That's right. The gathering of those that are born again. Yes. But Jesus had to die first to bring forth harvest. Now, this is contextually about Jesus and salvation, but you can absolutely 100% apply this to the ministry. In fact, you can apply this to a lot of things in your life, not even just the ministry. But for ministers, this is, I'm telling you, if 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 you've got an ear, hear what the Holy Ghost is trying to teach, especially if you feel there may be a call. A lot of ministers feel they know that they know it. God's confirmed it through somebody over them. They have been, I mean, I'm going through the steps. They have been faithful. In little, they're being faithful in other man's. They're waiting on timing. And and they've done all the things that we've said and it's still not working. Or they try to step out. They think maybe God wants them to step out. Their heart's right. They're trying, but there's no anointing. There's no open doors. There's no grace. There's no glory. Why? Why? I've done it all, Lord. Why? If If you've done it all and you ask why, you've missed this one point. Unless you die to the desire for that ministry. I know it seems counterproductive, doesn't it? Well, how could I go to the ministry if I die? You have to die to the ambition. You have to die to the titles. You have to die not just to the flesh. And yes, you have to die to the flesh and all these things. But you have to die to the whole concept of I want this. And because you've called me, I should want it. But you can say I want it in the right way and you can say it in the wrong way, but it sounds the same. If he called you, he put his desire, you should want it. But when there's the attitude of I want this, I'm going to have this. It's time. I've been faithful. You have to promote me. If, if If there's not a death process, he can't resurrect that call. Don't misunderstand me. Okay, I'm not talking about you know you're called so then you go work in the world for ten years so that you can die to that call. I'm not necessarily talking about that. What I'm talking about is I wanted Africa. Yeah. 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 I'm I grew up there. My my grandparents go back to the sixteen hundreds as Afrikaners in Africa. That the Afrikaner means white African. They were there in the Vortrecker days and before. I mean, it is my heritage on both sides of my family tree. I shouldn't be Canadian. It don't make no sense to be in the snow. I should be with the snakes, the crocodiles, and the lions. That's where I'm called. Right. And people don't understand, because people say if you're from Africa, it's different. If you're not from Africa, you can't really understand. But, but if you are from Africa, and especially you add a calling on top of that. A lot of people from Africa, they don't care where they go back, but when there's a calling, it gets in your blood and you don't want and and you feel lost and the physical land being on the physical land makes me feel at home do you understand and so for me it was a tremendous desire but i knew there was a call are you listening but i also knew the call was for canada so what did i have to do god said to me one day until you die to africa What is he saying? Not reject the calling, but you've got to stop thinking about it, and you've got to stop obsessing about it, and you've got to stop demanding from God that it come to pass, and you've got to stop trying to step out in the flesh and fail. You've got to let it go. You've got to say, Father, I died to that. I let it go. And relationships, this applies sometimes. This doesn't just apply to ministers. If you're here, it'll apply to different parts of your life because it's a spiritual law. You've got to sometimes let things go and say, Father, I'm not rejecting the call to Africa, but I want it too bad. So I'm going to hand it to you. I'm going to give it back to you. I'm going to die to it. That's what it means. I'm going to plant it. What is when you plant a seed? Can you see the seed? You don't even you can't even see it. So it's outside your thought process. It's outside your travel plans. It's outside your ambition. You can't see it anymore because you've planted it so it dies. Father, I give it to you. If you want this for me, which you told me you did, but I can't figure it out. If you want it, take the seed that I plant where I cannot see it anymore and I will not think about it anymore. And I will not dream about it anymore. And I will not plan for it anymore. It's under the ground. I can't see it. It's gone from my sight. It is in your hand, I sow it back to you. Now, if it's you, you'd come and take that seed that I have let die. And you let your power resurrect that seed. You bring that plant called Africa forth from the soil. If it comes forth, I know it came from you. It wasn't me forcing it. Do you understand? So when you, you can't force ministry. You can't make things, force things to happen. You've got to die to your flesh, die to your ambition, die to your demands, and say, Father, I sow it to you, I give myself to you, I give this desire to you. You resurrect it, let your power come. And, and when that when that death process of the seed, of the of the covering of the seed breaks, if you study it, that's what happens. The shell breaks, and then that little thing on, on the inside starts to germinate and come. Lord, as I die, let your power take that and germinate this. And you bring it, you resurrect it, you cause my ministry to come to pass in Africa. And for many years, nothing. Why? Because the death process hadn't been complete. Until finally, I wasn't thinking about it. I wasn't desiring it. I wasn't anxious about it. I wasn't planning it. It was on the last thing on my mind. It wasn't even on my mind. didn't even make the list, Pastor, happy. Because why? It's dead. Then while I'm sitting there facing north on Highway 10, facing Derry, right across the street from the Shells gas station, turning left, and the word of the Lord came to me in the car and God spoke to me. Loud, I'm sending you back to Africa. See, the resurrection power started. But I had to die to it. And I died to it for many years. Ministers that things aren't working, I ask them, have you died to it? Not in disobedience to the call, but in your demand and ambition for the timing. Have you died to it? Have you let it go? Are you just happy serving? Are you just happy being faithful? Are you just happy doing whatever the other ministry, because I had other ministry that I was doing, but I had to be satisfied with that, not Africa. Some people, they're not in the ministry at all because that that thing has to die before they can even get in the ministry. They just have to be happy serving as an usher, serving as, as a childcare worker, serving, doing things in the church. And, 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 and once that has died, then God will resurrect it and bring it forth and that ministry will come forth. Whether it's to step into the ministry the first time or whether like me, it's to step into a subsequent ministry called Africa. But the dying process always has to happen. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Are you with me? Yeah. A lot of ministers don't step into things because they, are, they, they have convinced themselves and they're trying to convince God, but you can't convince him that it's the timing is now because I've been faithful. The timing is now because many years ago I had an experience with you. The timing is now because I've been an usher. The timing is now, but only God decides when the timing is. Yes. And if he is truly telling you the timing, the doors will open and the anointing will come on you. And if the doors don't open and the anointing doesn't come on you, you made the timing yourself. So good. Yeah. God doesn't anoint people just because they stand in the pulpit. God anoints people because they're right to stand in the pulpit because he's asked them to stand in the pulpit and because they've passed tests and it's the right time. Are you with me? That's why he anoints them. Not because they've decided it's time. This is a rescue to some people. this morning. The faster you die, the faster he'll resurrect it. The faster you lose your ambition and lose your pride, the faster he'll raise you up. The faster you're happy just to serve the fast. I mean, really in your heart, happy to serve. And only God knows your heart. You can't fake him. You can fake me, but you can't fake him. Yeah. Then he will raise you up. Amen. I believe one of the reasons he's raising Willie up is because Willie is not ambitious. She's not looking. She's not desirous. She's not planning. She's not scheming. Yeah. Right. She's not trying to do anything. She for decades has been nothing but faithful. Yes. Amen. And she's willing to do that until she dies, which will be at least 20 years from now. Because she's going to be a centennial. Yes. Amen. And She's 80 but because of that heart and because the call that for a long time has been in hibernation and now and and faithfulness has and death and now it's germinating and now god says okay I'm, i'm about to raise you up look at that he raised me up at 16 he raises her up at 80 that doesn't mean that we're better or worse than each other it's just different but the one thing that's the same is a death not no ambition, no pride, no demanding of God, just humbling yourself before him and saying, father, if this is you raise it up. And if it's not, I'm happy to serve for the rest of my life. Praise God. Hallelujah. I believe this is helping a little bit. Amen. Well, I want to say one last thing. People that think they're called, but they're not. Matthew 15, verse 13. Can you look at that quickly? And then we're going to start ministering to these people. Matthew 15 and verse 13. People that think they're called and they're not. And Jesus answered. He's talking about the, the Pharisees who were called to the ministry. But they're not really called by God. And he answered and said, Every plant which my heavenly father has not planted shall be rooted up. Let them leave them alone. Leave these Pharisees alone. They are blind leaders of the blind. And if the blind lead the blind, both shall fall in the ditch. That means people following them were blind and the ones leading were blind. Did you notice what made them blind? What made them Pharisees? God never planted them. If God has not truly called you, it will not work. I don't care how much you shuck and jive, how much you buck and snort, how, my, how great oration you are, how wonderful, what a wonderful teacher. If God has not divinely called you, that anointing won't be there. Your natural ability may be there. your gifting might fool people for a while, but the anointing won't be there. And a lot of ministers, are you listening to me? They go in the ministry and they're not called. They go pastoring and they're not called. And so they get away with it on their natural skill for a while. Their administrative ability, their speaking ability, their charisma. Big one. But because the anointing is not there, the people are blind because they don't know what the anointing is. They're not really being fed, but they don't know that because they're blind. If if a preacher came in here that that wasn't truly anointed, you would know it. Because you know the real. In fact, we've had people come in here over the years that have the anointing and they're called, but they're of a lower level and flow than what we usually have. And people have commented and called me and called the church and said, why would pastor bring somebody like that in? Yes. Uh, that's kindergarten. They're talking kindergarten. It's a bunch of fluff. It's a bunch of yelling. But, 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 but it's not, that doesn't feed me. There's, no, there's not that anointing that I'm used to. Why? Because you're, you, you've grown accustomed, whether you realize it or not, to a certain flow. But other people that have never had these flows, they don't know this at all. They're not accustomed to the anointing. They don't even know what the anointing is. So a shyster can come up, say they're a ministry, get something online or from some prophetess in a conference saying that they're a pastor. And they can shuck and jive and administrate and orate and could be charismatic and they fool the people. But there's no anointing because God didn't plant them as a minister. He didn't plant them. And what happens? I guarantee you uprooting is in your future. Because if God hasn't called and ordained and planted you, what's going to happen is your natural ability will eventually end. Yes, sir. Yes. Yes, sir. The anointing is what gives you longevity. The natural ability will end. And what happens? You will get burned out. You will get exhausted. You'll get angry. You'll usually fall into sin. And what happens? You are uprooted from that ministry position. Why? Because God never planted you in it to begin with. He never gave you a seat of authority you took a seat you don't occupy a place in the spirit you're a violator of that place in the spirit and God you'll be uprooted that's a lot of times not every time Taylor but that's a lot of times why you'll see ministers fall into sin sometimes they weren't called at all and now the naturalists and the devil's after them because they're standing in a place that they shouldn't be standing in and their natural ability and they're exhausted and they've run out and then what they, they fall Wow. Now, not every time. You have truly called ministers that just walk in the flesh and sin. Sure. But sometimes it's because they weren't called to begin with. Wow. Why do you think that so many pastors take, I tell, not in our circles, nobody in our circles does this. No. But everybody I know in other circles takes sabbaticals. Yes. Yeah. What does that mean? Three months of the year, a pastor can go on holiday and you have to pay it. Some pastors do six months. Every two years. Six months. Of sitting on a beach with tithes and offerings paying for it. And you know what their excuses? I'm just so tired with the pressures of the ministry. Not one person in our circle with Pastor Nancy does that. You know why? Because we've learned how to operate under the anointing. We've learned how to not burn ourselves up by being led by the Spirit. And because the anointing was on us and God planted us to begin with. And now we are walking in that planted anointing skillfully by being led and using natural wisdom and common sense and spiritual wisdom. We don't get exhausted. We don't get tired out. We're not relying on our own abilities only. We have abilities, but that's what we're only relying on. And so there's a longevity and we stay in it for the long haul. And we don't have to take six months off every two years because we're burned to a crisp. That's right. Amen. I'm serious. Some of those preachers aren't even called. That's why they're burned out because there's no anointing to carry them. Others, they are called, but they haven't learned how to flow with the anointing. So they're burned out because the anointing is available, but they don't know how to, act, they don't know how to appropriate it. I'm serious. We've got to teach these things because sometimes people don't understand you, you, you don't realize what kind of a church, and I don't say this pridefully, but you don't realize what kind of a church this is because many churches, you wouldn't see the pastor for six months. They'll be filling in. The deacons would fill in. The elders would fill in. Uh, the board would fill in. Guest minister, because he's out on a beach with tithes and offerings, sitting in a hammock because he's so mentally broken because the pressures of the people, demons, your needs, counseling alone can break a pastor. You let those pressures come on you. Their mess of a life come on you. It can break you. You've got demons after you because you're preaching to begin with. You've got financial stress. That's why they say 90% of pastors in a building project lose their mind or quit. Because the pressure financially is so great. Do you understand? I'm in a building project right now. I'm not quitting. Amen. Because we've learned to put the pressure on the Lord and let you be led by the Spirit. Amen. But so many don't know that. It's not easy being a pastor. Don't long for it if God didn't call you because it won't work anyway. And you will get uprooted if God didn't plant you. Don't long to be a traveling preacher. You think that's easy and glamorous? It is the last thing that is easy and glamorous. Unless God opens those doors, you're going to push them down on your own and the anointing won't be there and you'll quit within less than a year. There has to be a grace on people to travel. There has to be a grace on people to be a missionary. There There has to be a grace on people to pastor. There has to be a grace. And when God is in it, it works. But you have to die to your flesh and your ambition for God to truly be in it. Are you with me? Praise God. I think that's it for now. There's no more, my last quote, there's no more miserable man than the one who's in the ministry but not called to it. And there's no more miserable man who's not in the ministry who is called to it. You'll be miserable if you're in it and you're not called It's not light and easy for you. It's hard and laborsome. And you'll be miserable if you're out working, but you're called to the ministry. (laughs) Because your job won't be light and easy. It will be heavy and laborsome. No matter how much education and money you make, don't matter. Praise God. I know a a doctor, a medical doctor. Lost touch with him, but years ago, he came to me for counsel. And he said, I believe I'm called. He said, I have a thriving medical practice. I make a lot of money. I mean, he made a lot of money. And he said, but I can't get away from it. I dream about it. I, I, I just, I don't know. I think I'm called, but I don't want to be called. And, I, and see, God's call was on him. Yeah. And, he, and I said, well, you need to hook up with somebody. You need to get under somebody. Yeah. And, I, and I think he did, but we lost touch, so I don't know if he did. But, but he, he was in the process of closing that practice and stepping into the five-fold ministry. You don't want to close a medical thriving practice and step in to try to be a traveling preacher that pays you $200 a week. If you're lucky in Canada, because they won't take offerings, the pastor just decides who's cheap, what to give the guest minister. When I went my average offering, I'd preach my heart out. Steam would come out of my ears. I'd catch my pants on fire. I'd run so much. And, and they give me, the most was ever, it was $200. <laughs> Never once did they ever pass a plate. Not one time. Not one time did they pass the plate and let people give according to as they heaven in their heart. The pastor, the cheap pastor. The small-minded pastor sat in his office and go, I don't really like that sermon. I'll give him $100. I'll give him 200 It never exceeded 200 That's why I had to work at customs, because how can you feed children and a life on $800 a month? You can't. That's why our church is such a gem. That's why ministers ask to come to our church. That's why I turn people down, because I don't invite people as God tells me to. I don't care if they're my friend or not. They don't come unless God tells me to. Because when we pass the bucket, we give them a heck of a lot more than $200. Amen. We honor that gift. Praise God. So don't be a miserable person in it if you're not supposed to be or out of it if you are supposed to be. Praise God.